Welcome to Words to Lead By. I'm Linda Parkhouse. My podcasts are for anyone who wants to lead with more personal strength and integrity. Leading others is fun, and it will push us all to grow internally if we let it. Christmas is right around the corner as I record this, and I've been reading the book of Luke because I like its version of the story of Jesus' birth. Most teachings I've heard based in chapter one focus on what Elizabeth and Mary said in response to what God was doing with them. This time through, I found myself seeing what Zechariah said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Let's back up a bit so you'll be able to understand the context of what I'm going to offer in this message. Chapter one tells us about an angel appearance in the temple while Zechariah was performing his priestly duties. Now, let's insert ourselves in the moment and imagine what this might be like. Zechariah and Elizabeth were older and past the age of bearing children and hadn't been able to get pregnant for all the years of their marriage. What we might overlook is the cultural pressure to have a child, specifically a son. For Jews of that day, sons carried the family line forward and were more desirable than daughters. And unfortunately, this is common today in many cultures. For women, bearing a child in those days was a badge of honor. For those of you who long for a child, you understand their pain. If you struggle with infertility, I am very sad for you. And I'm asking God to bring you the desires of your heart Besides the situation I just described, the Jews were accustomed to God speaking through prophets over the years, and God hadn't spoken through a prophet for about 400 years. The people of Israel, including Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, and even Mary and Joseph, were all aware of the promise God made of a Savior. Under Roman oppression, they'd been crying out to God, asking him to give them relief, politically, physically, and religiously. They had the oral and written history of what we now know to be the Old Testament and had heard Isaiah 9 read in the temple. It says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Little side note, you may notice some of these words are in Handel's Messiah. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. 
So they've asked God over and over for this Savior to come, and we can see from the text they expect political and physical rescue. So when Zechariah was going about his duties as assigned that day in the temple and an angel appeared, ooh, he knew it wasn't normal, and he was shocked, afraid, and skeptical, especially when he heard the message delivered to him. Now, we'd be skeptical too, so let's not judge the guy we would have skepticism after 400 years of silence. Well, the angel informed him that he and Elizabeth would conceive and bear a son and were to name him John. Again, he'd be skeptical of this, wouldn't you? We know this child in the later chapters of Luke as John the Baptist. His role would be to prepare people for the long-awaited Savior or Messiah, Jesus. Because of his skepticism, Zechariah ended up unable to speak until John was born. As we all might imagine, the people waiting for him to come out of the temple when they realized this were surprised and certain he was visited by God. When that baby boy was born, the community assumed he'd be named Zechariah, which was tradition. But at that point, Elizabeth insisted he be called John, and the people didn't believe her. Zachariah wrote on a tablet that he should be called John and could immediately speak. And here is what he said after over 10 months of silence. Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant that we, having been rescued from the hand of our enemies, would serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. And you, child, and now he's speaking to John, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us. He's back to talking about Jesus, to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. That line, that last line, directs us back to Isaiah's prophecy about Jesus. God was setting the stage for his son Jesus to be born, to grow, and become the savior of the Jews and of the whole world. Looking more closely at Zechariah's words, God highlighted these specifically for me. To grant that we having been rescued from the hand of our our enemies, would serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. Ah, This promise is for us today. If we accept the work of Jesus on our behalf, we are freed from our enemies. That's our spiritual enemies. If you didn't already realize that we have spiritual enemies often, Um, called demons that work to undermine our faith and our hope and our courage as we journey through life before seeing Jesus face to face. Jesus told us in this life we would have trouble and to take heart because he has overcome the world. We see in Zechariah's words that Jesus rescued us from the hand of our enemies 
And there's a purpose to that. But I just want to sit on this moment of God having been rescued from the hand of our enemies. It's a past tense thing, but sort of with a forward looking thing, having been rescued. So we have to choose to look at ourselves as having already been rescued from the hand of those enemies, the pressure of Satan and his demons that tries to undermine our courage and faith. But it's really cool that the reason we have been rescued is so we could serve God without fear. We get to serve him without fear of failure, without the fear of our enemies winning, without fear of persecution or death. Even when we're persecuted, we get to serve God without fear. Now, I've thought a lot about this. And I feel like I've got a lot to learn about what that would look like. Because honestly, in America, in my opinion, we have not yet really been persecuted. I know there's a whole bunch of theories out there about during the pandemic, whether the church is being persecuted. I personally don't think so. Because individual believers are persecuted in persecution along the way in scripture. And individual believers are challenged in their faith when they're persecuted. So I think God is giving us this promise that says, having been rescued from the hand of those spiritual enemies that would oppress us, we can serve him without fear, no matter what's going on in the world. And so I just hope that that gives you some courage and boldness to serve God with your leadership without fear. It also says that we get to serve him in holiness and righteousness. For me, I know I'm not righteous or holy in my own efforts. In fact, I never am holy or righteous. I feel like if you could get inside my head, I mean, God says the thoughts and intent of our hearts are judged equally with our outward actions. And so, hey, my inward thoughts don't line up with God most of the time. I have to fight to get back to a place where I'm lining my thoughts up with God so that what comes out of my mouth and what I do with my actions actually lines up with God. So if you're like me, we're not inherently righteous. But what's really cool is that because of Jesus and because of what he did, having rescued us from the hand of our enemies, he has provided righteousness and holiness for us. In another passage of scripture, it talks about putting on the righteousness of Christ, putting on his characteristics like a garment. So I'm trading my filthy rags, my filthy sin-filled garments of junk that I can't clean on my own. I'm taking those off and I'm putting on the righteousness of God. So I'm putting on his righteousness. And then my holiness doesn't depend on what I can do for God, but what he has already done for me. I think that is such a precious, fabulous gift. And so we get to serve him without fear and in holiness and righteousness, his holiness and righteousness. We also get to serve in his presence. When God is my savior, he is in me. He is with me. And when he is with me, I am strong and able. I'm courageous and I'm hopeful for the future. What a gift to be in God's presence day by day on earth before I get to be with him when I physically die. So my question to you is, how will you choose to live your days? Will you live in fear of the enemy of your soul? Will you live in fear of trouble or harm or persecution? 
Or will you live in his presence, full of hope and courage and his holiness, as you do the good works he prepared for you to do before you were born? There is so much more I could say, but I'm going to leave it here for now. If this was helpful to you, would you be so kind as to leave a review wherever you've accessed the content that helps other people find it? And then go ahead and share it with your friends. Um, I would love to be helpful to others. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. You may notice that new episodes will come out once or twice a month, and usually on Thursday afternoon. And then bonus content will be mentioned on all my social accounts. Just look for Linda Parkhouse LLC. I'll catch you next time on Words to Lead By.